You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast, and we're continuing our foreign film series with the French film La Fabule d'Estan de Amélie Poulain. What? Known in the U.S. as Amélie. You have no trouble. Me, Fifth Element. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. I didn't watch that other one. <laughs> Jeremy's up there like, uh, I'm going to be in trouble on this one. <laughs> Oops. I didn't get that, that memo. I watched the wrong one. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. We're your host. I'm Brian Elkins. With me here tonight, Mr. Jeremy Benson. Howdy. And Mr. Jared Callen. Hi. Brian brought French cookies. <laughs> Mm. Hey man, you know you, know, you gotta, gotta bring in a little food, a little you know, a little little wine. The best thing about having <laughs> okay um, food on a podcast is the mouth noises because people love hearing people eat. That's what everybody is uh, is always listening to a podcast for. That's the worst thing. I hate that. Like people just like smacking, but also these cookies are really fucking dry. <laughs> I just ate like all of them. So give me a second. Go ahead. Uh, the the French biscuits are are, are a little dry. Uh, so yes, we are talking um, Amelie here tonight, continuing our foreign film series so that we're doing this month. <clears throat> what does the full French title mean? Oh, it's The Fabulous Destiny of Amelie Poulain. Ah. That's right. Poulain. <laughs> Directed by Jean-Pierre Genoux, who we've actually talked about before on this podcast. He, uh, he directed the best alien film. What? <laughs> So good. He, it was so good we even did a commentary track for it. Okay, well that part is true. I don't know about it being the best one. <laughs> That's why it is the best, because we did the commentary track for it. No, no I thought we did the commentary track because it was the worst one. <laughs> and that was the only way anybody agreed to do that fucking episode. <laughs> that was my memory of it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I enjoyed that. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to that one. It's fun. I, 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 I tend to think Brian's right about that. Really? <laughs> Those one-liners, man. No, no, the one-liners are great. Yeah. Yeah, no, Ron Perlman's great. Yeah, there's there's, there's some great stuff in that movie. Yeah. It's a fun watch. You got to get drunk and watch it, which we were. 
<laughs> Just to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> and confused. <laughs> the one-liners are good. Oh, man. The plot that's not, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And the weird alien baby thing at the end. But, yeah. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. How can you forget about that? Man, that cute little nose when it did the little nose wrinkle. Come on. <laughs> you, come on. That, that well, burned into your brain. You know what else is burning my brain? <laughs> Uh, Audrey Toto 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 Audrey Tato Tato Whatever Cute ass girl From this movie y'all Oh yes She's got like Anime eyes They're so big Yeah right Aren't they Aren't her eyes huge They're amazing Like that's one of the things They do like in Disney They always animate Their characters all big Yeah They give them big eyes To make them more sympathetic Like you know They even did it with Wally Yeah Wally Of course you can have a voice you get, you're like the man of a thousand voices. It's like, oh yeah, I got this one over here. I was I was practicing it last night. How there is Wally? Have you not seen that? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, dude, you gotta oh, watch really? that yeah. one. Yeah, that yeah, one's sure. actually great. Like the whole world is like, in, <laughs> everybody sits around in these like floating chairs. They don't even have to work, and they're all getting like fat just eating. Kinda. Well, because they're all in a spaceship. Yeah, in a spaceship. Uh, yeah, because the actual Earth is nothing but a big big dump. And they've got the little robots going around cleaning everything up, so everybody can go back to Earth and. Wally's one of the robots cleaning up the earth. Even he, he looks a lot like, you know, Johnny Five from Short Circuit. Yeah, he does look a lot like Short Circuit robot, yeah. Anyways, it's great. It's a love story between him and this other little egg-like. Which, which, what was her purpose? What was Eva's? What was her purpose? Uh, she was looking for uh, life on earth. Oh, that's right. She goes around and she finds... I'm not going to ruin it for you. <laughs> yeah, she's looking for... Uh, for Yeah, if, if earth can, you know, Start, sustain life. Yeah, It's a fun movie. It's really good. It's one of the first animated films I really remember seeing, uh, like uh, focus pulling, where they like actually racked from things to you know w- with the with the focus, like 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 it was a camera, like it was shot with a camera. Yeah, didn't wasn't were, that like, when Roger Deakins like started getting involved in doing some consulting with Pixar? Yeah, it's like it's it's seriously it's it's one of the best shot animated films I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> one of the best shot non shot movies ever. Well, yeah, there's there's a lot of non-shot movies these days. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. What are you going to do? Watch them. Uh, but Amelie was shot. Gorgeously. In France, on location. Yeah. In Paris, no less. Yeah, by French filmmakers. That's right. Imagine that. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> they actually let those guys loose? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty. It's gorgeous. No, it's yeah. It, yeah. it, it really is. Uh, I, I did like going um, on the behind the scenes, watching the, uh, the the special features, and they would show uh, the the locations as they existed in real life, and then you know the scenes from the movie. And dude, they added so much crap all over, like everything, like all the posters, yeah. like uh, the Production phone booths. Frame. Oh yeah, dude, just so much stuff everywhere. There's that scene where she uh, drops off the blind man. And she's walking, and it's like this huge, like cobblestone, uh, uh, yeah, stairwell. And uh, there's like all this j- stuff around, you know, and it's just cl- cluttered and all. It's so colorful, man. It's so bright, right. almost like a comic book. And then you see it in real in real life, and it's just like, oh, it's just a lot of stone. Yeah, it's just <laughs> a standard street. Yeah, well, they, they just, try they try to make it. it feel older than it was. Like more, not not as like contemporary, but like have like an old old school French feel. Yeah, like with like street markets and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, it had nice hyper reality to it. Yeah, you know, it plays up the fantasy in the in the well, movie. Well. It feels like a children's book, which is kind of how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though the movie is rated R, I think it's rated R because the like you see some tits. Well, yeah, there's the childbirth scene. Yeah, 
And there was the uh, there's a scene where they flash and they show like uh, everybody every, fucking yeah everybody having <laughs> orgasms like how many people not in Paris all of them has an orgasm. <laughs> That's true. It's one poor lady. <laughs> well, she, maybe 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 that was her orgasm. She was just you know she was very restrained. Then why is it an even number? Why does she say fifteen or nine or five or whatever? She said fifteen. She said fifteen. Hands. If it was couples, it would have been 16 or 14. Well, there's one guy jacking off that they cut real quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just thought that meant 15 couples total. No, no that, that's the joke, is that he he had an orgasm, she didn't. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, because they, they didn't cut 15 times. There were only, you know, whatever, 16. It's eight couples. Two. No, what? Yeah, I think they... No, there were more than eight. Were there? Yeah, no, guys, I think there were 15. Go back and watch it. All right, pause it. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to look at this in the break. No, no, I could have sworn there were like fifteen different orgasms. Because I'm like, even thinking about it, I'm like, there's, I can think of more than eight. I'm not gonna count them right now. I'm not gonna waste your time doing that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there, there, there's a bunch. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess I didn't get that. The joke went over my head. It was lost in translation. Man. Well, okay. The movie is extremely fast. I guess we haven't uh, brought that up, but the. <laughs> it's an extremely fast tw- uh, two hours. I like that crunch in the background. <laughs> no, it is. It is a really, really fast two hours. Uh, it's got uh, we got narration in here. We got backstory. We got flashbacks, flash forwards, stuff in characters' heads, like these little fantasy moments where it, I don't know, man. And you'll even have moments where characters break and go into the uh, the break the fourth wall and start talking to other people, right? You know, or start talking to the audience and. Man, it it is kind of like all over the place. They do throw everything in the movie. I was reading that uh, some people had a lot of problems with that. That they just kind of threw like too too much at you too quick. Hmm. Looks like they had fun making it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't feel that way. But what do, what are you guys thoughts? You th- you think it's too fast, too cluttered? I enjoyed it. I think it's a really co- it's it's got a definite style, you know. And I, I love the narration. And um, I'd seen it before, and then uh, I'd never really. Like wasn't studying it, but then the, a show came out some years ago that got canceled because of the writer's strike called Pushing Daisies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a, has the exact same style. It has, oh, it has. Yeah, and, okay. remember, I can kind of see and, that. And the guy um, Jim Dale, who the uh, the um, audiobook guy I was telling you guys about on the podcast oh, uh, yeah, a while yeah. ago, he is the narrator of Pushing Daisies in the same style. And it's a, it's a really cool. I think they got two season and two seasons, and it's totally worth watching. I've, yeah, I've, I've seen. I know I've seen the first season. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, but it's it, it feels exactly like this. Yeah, it does kind of have that, yeah, yeah. the little whimsical fantasy. Even to style. the point where they like have the person stand there and they're talking about it and they push in on them, you know, and they're giving you the whole backstory of like storybook style and they it, it's it's everything's real colorful and yeah, it's it's. There were two things that were ripped off from this film. That's that's the style for pushing daisies and the fucking travelocity traveling gnome. You know what I'm talking about? Oh my about? gosh, yeah, I never even thought about that. Yeah. Well, uh, when did that ad come out, though? Way after this film. Was it after this yeah. film? Oh, I have to go, yeah, I have to look that up, because I don't know when the when the fuck that ad came out. <laughs> but, yeah. Which is the, is the roaming gnome or whatever. Which came first, the ad or the movie? <laughs> I would, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote the movie. I would say probably the movie, too. Yeah, I would probably guess the movie. Yeah, it makes more sense. Yeah. A lot of kids were named Amelie after this movie came out. Really? Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> this they all, was they all had weird little pixie haircuts. <laughs> oh, 
oh, they all look like Snow White and they have big eyes. Mm. This was one of the the films I uh, projected when I was uh, at film school. I was uh, working at a projectionist at a movie theater. It was an independent theater. It only had like eight screens. It wasn't very big. But we got this movie. Um, it played for six months. Wow. First month, it did like our normal business. You know, uh, indie movies. It was, a, it was in Florida at the time. Not a huge crowd. But man, let me tell you what. Sunday, matinee shows for this, old ladies, black, white, would come in the busload, and we would sell out both matinees Wow! by like 12.30 for like two months. That's really cool. I have no idea why, but it was, it was this huge thing. And these, these old ladies would come, and they'd watch this f- foreign film. And it got to a point where by the third month, I was just like, what is going on? I, all right, I got to watch this movie. I was say, did you sit down and watch it in the yeah, theater? I, nice. I sat down and, and saw it. I was just like, okay, yeah, I see why. I can totally see why. Yeah, my grandma would like this movie. Like, this, this is one of those movies that, yeah, it, it kind of appeals multi-generations. Like, it doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl. You know, yeah. like, sometimes we have, you know, there are guys' movies or, or movies that are aimed for guys. And there's, you know, the chick flicks, the romantic comedies that are aimed for women. And I think this is one of those films that... It transcends gender. Yeah, it kind of does. I mean, that's why it's got uh, it's got a really high rating on IMDb. It's got an 8.3 on IMDb. Oh, well, I think it's, like, number... I just look over your shoulder. Yeah, number... Yeah, it's number 87. Wow, it's in, it's in top 100 films. Yeah, like... I, and that's, how, that's pretty badass. Right? And that's mostly dudes that are on that side writing those movies. <laughs> and it's number 87. It's wow. like, well, you know, that that does say something about this film. Well, I'm a dude, and I own it on DVD. Well, so there, there you go. go. When was the first time you saw it? Film school. So I'm going to say 2005. Yeah. It's one of those movies that, like, you know, people talk about, you know. Yeah. Oh, my God, have you seen Pulp Fiction? Well, fuck you. Have you seen Amelie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw the exact opposite in your face. <laughs> Turn that conversation around real quick. I don't read my movies. Uh, does Pulp Fiction have no subtitles? I don't know, man. Oh, with, the, with, with, his, uh, with Bruce Willis's, um Mexican girlfriend, that there, there were some subtitles. Am I making that up? I don't know, man. Oh, bro, we need to rewatch uh, Pulp Fiction now. Okay, See, on the break, we got to count like the orgasms it. and pull up Pulp Fiction. It seems like, they're, like when they're in the hotel room... <laughs> I could have sworn there were some subtitles in Pulp Fiction. Okay, but there's subtitles in Pulp Fiction. Let's I don't know. There is. Anyway. <laughs> All right, well, we're moving on. Jared's like, this conversation's stupid. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> we didn't prep Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Have you guys done Pulp Fiction? No, we haven't. Oh, here's a good one. Yeah. See, when we, when we do Pulp Fiction... <laughs> well, what's in the pulp? mystery will be solved. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, guys, we know. Y'all remember last year when we had the debate? <laughs> well, now we know. Subtitles, yes. And they were yellow. When's the first time you saw it, Benson? On a date with my wife. No way. She well, wanted to go see it, so b- I took her to see it. Before marriage or after marriage? I can't remember. Depends on when it came out in the theater. Uh, 2002. Oh, so you saw it in the theater, too. That's not fair. So that would have been before marriage. There, there you go. go. So that would have oh, been a- stop, Jinx. <laughs> that would have been a date with my girlfriend who became my wife. Nice. Was it because of this film? No. <laughs> what did she think of this movie? Oh, she loves it. Yeah, that's awesome. She watches it. I bet she's probably seen it five or six times. Wow. And I hadn't seen it since then. Like, I went and saw it with her, and I was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? You never went back to it? No. Oh, man. Yeah, this is one, this is one I go back to quite a bit. I, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really dig this movie. But, yeah, this this was a, uh, it was a really popular movie in the United States. Um, 
It's the highest grossing French made, French speaking film. Really? Yeah. I mean, there are other movies that are with French money, like uh, The Artist and all those Luc Passan movies, like uh, Fifth Element made more. Right. In the box office, but it's also with American dollars and half American cast. Yeah, so. totally. But all French, this is the highest grossing one. 33 domestic and 174 million worldwide. What do you make after this? Uh, a very long engagement, which is like a World War II uh, romance uh, war flick. Apparently, it's Audrey really good. Tattoo as well. Yeah, I let you borrow it. Did you watch it? No. Oh, man. I know. It is good. It's not as good as Amelie, though. I'm a bad person. <laughs> That's a little dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> but now that you brought it up, I will go find it and watch it. You should. It's uh, it's it's yeah. It's definitely worth a watch. This one feels like filmmakers having a lot of fun, like just trying stuff. Yeah, with the camera and with the actors. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like the director is is very like, okay, look, I just I'm gonna, I'm gonna experiment. You know, we're gonna play, and you don't think it was like fun. planned out? Like like he didn't sit down and and figure out that we're gonna. It doesn't feel like it to me. Really? I mean, it's yeah. It's very it's very well planned. I mean. You, you think it's like more freeform? Like you know? I mean, I think he. It feels like he had like a story and an idea, but oh yeah, like it feels like like she play. had a lot of freedom, and I don't know. It just seems like they were having a lot of fun. Of let's try this. Let's look see what this will happen. Well, they they, <clears throat> they pretty much stuck up stuck on these wide lenses, wide angle lenses, which are pretty cool, and yeah. especially in close ups. And they they love that close up of her, when her cute little ass turns around, looks at the camera. Yeah, well, they, they do technically that her little ass is not in the camera during that. Well, excuse me, that I was ter- her. I was I was calling her entire self an ass, <laughs> but a cute little ass. Yeah, I, I like I like, I like her, in. so I'm gonna call her an ass. <laughs> <laughs> I like when they go in for those close. Uh, those you know they're they're trying to add uh, just something a little wonky, or the characters are noticing something, especially when the guy, um, the grocer, he starts noticing things in his apartment. Like the handle, yeah, <laughs> to his door. He's going and back he's and like, shit's all wrong. And yeah, different. Cause, yeah, because Amelie went through it. Yeah. and messed up everything in his apartment. I love apartment. the candid angle on that. That's hilarious. Yeah, they have some fun with those. But I mean, he he did do that. I mean, that is kind of you know Jean Pierre Genot's style. You know, and even he he did that in um, City of Lost Children and um, even Alien Resurrection. They had some of those like crazy camera moves, and, and there's that one crazy shot where she's skipping the stone. Where it like the it's like craning over the water and then it yep. kind of like goes over and then kind of comes down in front of her. And yeah, it. yeah. It does the one eighty as sexy. it goes down? Yeah, yeah. yeah. God, that does look good. That has to be CGI. So there's a a rig that they CGI'd out there somewhere. I, I was I, I was watching. I think it's just like this. If they're side arming it, they've got the boom over the side and they're just. I think they could pull that shot off. You think so? Yeah. I mean, that'd be one really long techno crane. You know, if it was America or England, I would, I would, I would be, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Plus, landing right there on top of the water, right on the skip. Yeah, two million, two million dollar budget. Plus, I saw in some behind the scenes, he had some scaffolding behind her, raked up. Ah, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> so yeah, there was a, uh, there was some CGI there. Damn it. Yeah, but there's some, there's some actually pretty decent CGI in this film, like the goldfish. Yeah. You know, I, I I love that so much when like the the mom's like dumping the goldfish in the water and the goldfish like lands and like looks up at her. The suicidal goldfish. Yeah, it's kind of all sad. We're like, and then the mom throws the fucking bowl in after. <laughs> 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 we don't need this anymore. 
Oh my gosh. How do you guys feel about narration in film? I don't think we've ever talked about that because I don't think we've ever uh, covered a movie that had narration in it. It doesn't bother me either. I think it. You know, I think it really works in this one because it totally like sets up that like storybook feel. Yeah. You know, like like the the whimsy of it. Yeah, I do. I do think uh, the director he does do a good job of, of capturing that like novel to film. Now I've had critics tell me that that it's cheap and lazy, but it's never bothered me. As long mm-hmm. as I mean, it works. It works. Yeah, as long as you're not just telling me things that are happening on screen that I can see, right? I don't really mind narration. I'll go on the record. I love it in those like uh, old noirs, you know, where you'll get some narration like, yeah. So that dame, I knew she was trouble, and she gave me that. <laughs> you know, or if it's filling in backstory. Yeah. Two weeks ago, his partner was shot. Now he's on the <laughs> he's on the prowl. Cuts to him in the car. <laughs> You're thinking I'd have much rather seen the partner getting shot than this dude driving. <laughs> yeah, but the, you know the driving shot was a lot cheaper. Right. <laughs> oh man. Next movie, bunch of narration, driving shots. <laughs> Yeah, I know everybody always points to narration there, like VO and all that stuff, and they're always like, you know, it's just it's a sign of weak writing. It's just weak. I don't know. I think if it's you know, if it's it could, used right, I think it would be very effective. Didn't no, the Beautiful Mind have a bunch of narration, like at least the opening and all that? Right? I don't know, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, who, who American who, Beauty? Sorry. Who's watching that? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. See that? That's really like um, yeah, it's <clears throat> that 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 helps. You know, it sets the tone. That's weird. That's that's weird that you bring that up too, because that's also like. That's Kevin Spacey, like even telling you in the very beginning of the movie, like, "Oh, by I'm the way, die. I'm dead." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you forget. That, yeah, well, I don't know. Do you, no, I don't. I didn't forget in that movie. Well, I wasn't thinking the whole time. He's gonna die. He's gonna die. He's gonna die. He's gonna die. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I kept thinking like, "Oh, okay, when something bad's gonna happen." I kept waiting for the tragic thing because <laughs> they make everything look so. You know, that's the beauty of American Beauty. It's everything looks so mundane and. Just, oh, yeah, here we are. This is just life. It's blah, blah. No, this is really dark and sinister because these people have deep, dark secrets and they're terrible people. It's oh. a cute movie. <laughs> it is a very cute movie. What would you guys think of the uh, the music? little accordion? I liked it. Yeah? It's, it's, it, even, I mean, it's, it just puts you in that world, you know? I liked it a lot, man. Yeah. I think this is one of my one of my favorite scores, dude. I, I put this on. Jan Tiersen? Yeah. I saw, the, I saw this composer at the high tone. Really? Yes, I did. What the fuck? Are you serious? Came yeah. to Memphis? He came to Memphis uh, about two or three years ago, and I saw him play at the high tone. On his accordion? No, he had a whole band, uh, and they he, they used a lot of, like, um, <clears throat> it was actually pretty cool. They had all these, like, weird Edison-like bulbs on these, like, s- different-sized, like, light stands, and they set them all out everywhere, so even though they were kind of out in the audience a little bit, and um, they just played all this really weird little, like, instrumental-sounding music, and they played on like little toy pianos and and, and everybody in everybody in the band like switched instruments a, a lot there were like all kinds of like xylophones and stuff going on it was amazing like pat like pat, like would switch positions and start playing different instruments yeah and then even in the middle of the songs they'd be playing things and you know and then they'd and then and while somebody else would be playing something and then they'd go to somewhere else and start playing something else building all these like soundscapes and fucking show offs it was no it was amazing it was one of those <laughs> it was one of the most amazing like live shows i've ever seen and um <clears throat> somebody um somebody got us in and got us free tickets i never even heard of the guy and then, I, and then, so I looked him up, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is the guy that did the music for Amelie!" And so I went and like, you know, and they they totally played the the song, the the main song from Amelie. Yeah, well, a bunch of his uh, the well, I don't know about a bunch, but I know like three or four tracks from from, from the previous albums. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Actually, and I actually sent you. I don't know if you ever downloaded it. 
But uh, I, I told you that years ago, and I sent you his entire catalog. Yes. I did, and you didn't download it, did you? No, yeah, I haven't. Okay, you should listen to it, because it's amazing. I've, I've listened to some of it. I, I, I do use Amelie quite a bit as... Uh, like temp music, yeah. For like, yeah, for like romance stuff when I'm cutting, yeah. It's to kind of set your set your tone, yeah. That's cool. So you pronounce the movie's title Amelie. Amelie. How do you pronounce it? I'm saying Amelie, but I'm not. I, I don't know. How, how do you say it? They say her name. They say Amelie Poulain. Amelie. Amelie Poulain. That's how they say it in the movie. I'm not French. I'm Amy, a... Amy Lee. That's her. <laughs> she was from Arkansas. She'd be Amy Lee. <laughs> Amy Lie. <laughs> Amy Lie. How do you pronounce it, Benson? I always pronounce it Amelie, but I heard him say Amelie, and I was like, I, you are know, we saying this shit wrong? I, I, you know, I don't know. Now you've got me all self-conscious. I'm going to sit over here and be quiet. <laughs> Job complete. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Amelie. <laughs> well, there, there's... There, I'm looking at the at the poster and it doesn't have it, but uh, but sometimes it's written and it's got an accent over the middle e. No, it's got the accent. It's right there. It's just really small. You can't see it. That's what she said. Oh, no, no, dude, don't don't tell everybody that way. No, that's what no, I said no. all. That's what she said. So w- when you put the accent on the e like that, what is it? Is that a? I don't know. Yeah, I well, I didn't take French. If did you're, you? I did, but I don't remember you know, that. What you took French? We oui, absolutely. Oh man! <laughs> I could say like, où est on salle de bain? Like, where's the bathroom? And then also one of my favorite things is um, sat on the fiche. It sounds like you're saying say tuna fish, but it means that it's a poster. Set on the fish. Set on the fish. Le chat, le don, le chaise. That's the cat is under the chair. <laughs> that sounded really terrible. Le songe, le sous, le branche. The, 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 the monkey's on the branch. <laughs> Why do you know these rings? Because that's how you learn. <laughs> Why would you ever need to say the monkey's on the branch? What if Jared ever goes to the zoo on International Red Panda Day? <laughs> He can go by the monkey exhibit, and he can say, "There's a monkey on the bridge." The chat, le don, le chaise. The cat is on the chair. And he'll probably get his ass whipped by some guy from Memphis, going, "What the fuck did you just say about me shitting on what?" I said, "Sit on the beach." She smells like what? <laughs> and I can say, uh, "Je m'appelle Jared." My name is Jared. I'm sure that I did that all wrong, too, and somebody's going to write in and say, <laughs> your, your pronunciation was off here and that. But it has been, like, you know, over 20 years. Hey, look, dude, you get an A for effort from me. <laughs> no, almost 20. It hadn't been 20 years, but, but anyways. Oh, my goodness. Uh, this, did film, this film did get uh, shut out of the uh, Cannes Film Festival. I did want to talk about that, because I thought that was kind of weird. Why? Well, I mean... Speculation <laughs> is because they didn't have the soundtrack in at the time. They got, they got a pre-screen... To like to make the deadline, yeah, and it didn't have the music bed in it yet. That's not what the director of the Cannes Film Festival said, though. Well, he said it wasn't serious enough. He's like, "Fuck this film." That's what I gotta say. What does that mean? It's not serious. No shit, it's not serious. It's a fucking family. Fucking well, I guess it's not family, but whatever. It's a fantasy comedy. Does it have to be serious to be a good movie? That is a strange criticism. I mean, okay, like I, I know, like music does add a lot. I'm not taking away anything from the score. The score is absolutely brilliant, and it adds a lot to the movie. But as a filmmaker, if somebody put this movie in front of you guys, I'm saying, with the fucking sound off, still. I mean, and this got nominated for best sound at the Oscars. I just want to throw that did. out there. Yeah. Best original screenplay too. I mean, nobody yeah. watches like Oh Brother Where Art Thou and goes, Fuck that. That's not serious enough. <laughs> 
<laughs> that one listener got just the foggy mountain boys. This podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that one dude is like, I didn't think it was serious enough. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking <Looks>. Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. A Dapper Dan man. <laughs> Yeah, people do make weird criticisms of, of film. I was uh, reading a review of, of Solo just because it, it recently came out. You on, can't let it go, can you? No, well, <laughs> it, it, came out on, it came out on Blu-ray, and I was reading the review to see how the Blu-ray was. And, good. And it, uh, this reviewer, he's getting hung up on on, on uh, Dandy Newton. He's like, man, she's too good of an actress. They shouldn't have gotten her for that role. She's too good. I'm like, wait a minute, that's such a weird... Who the fuck can play... This actor is too good. Get yeah. off my fucking. You're too set. good for this movie. <laughs> it's like, wait, should, that is really weird. Yeah, right. Shouldn't your what? complaint be that the writing isn't developed enough? Wait, you you just didn't have anything else to say, right? <laughs> you, you you were up on a deadline and you were like, I gotta say something, right? She's just too good. <laughs> I'm a critic. I gotta critique something. <laughs> this motherfucker too good for this movie. Makes it suck. You too good to be here, kid. I'm with you though, but like, doesn't that mean like the writing's not up to her par? Yeah, or you know something. That, I've never heard that complaint before. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Actors too good for a movie. What the fuck, man? I wish we had that problem all the time, guys. I'm just like, let's all have that problem, man. All these actors are too good. They're classing no. this place up <clears throat> too much. I will say that that is that. That's actually the truth for. Uh, the uh, Bruce, uh, uh, what's his name? The guy who just died. Um, what's his name? Which Help me guy out. Who just died? <laughs> Burt Reynolds. Yeah, Burt Reynolds. Oh, last okay. I just watched this movie, uh, the uh, the last movie star. And there's some like film school mistakes and shit in that shit at the beginning, and like as it goes. But he like pops out of it. It's like if you guys haven't seen that movie, you need to watch it. I know I haven't seen it yet. It'll make you cry. But uh, <clears throat> oh really? Oh man, three times it'll make you cry. Oh wow. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah, right, that, okay. but yeah, but like at the beginning of it, I had that feeling. It was like he's too good for this movie. <laughs> it's like reviewing Superman, going, "It would have been good, but Marlon Brando's too good for this movie." <laughs> Gene Hackman's way too good for this movie. They should have gotten Clint Eastwood for Lex Luthor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, kill my everybody gosh. around here because you're standing there. Otis Otis Damn it Superman This is a 44 Magnum <laughs> With kryptonite bullets Superman's like so it's a 44 I'm Superman He's like But I'm Lex <laughs> End of movie Just fucking center map <laughs> He's popping people. Oh my god! He even uh, shoots fucking Zod. And he, <laughs> he takes them all out. Back. <laughs> Zod's running. And he's trying to fly away, and he pops him in the back. He just walks into the White House. <laughs> he's got Elsa like in the corner. Going, Go ahead, make my day. <laughs> oh man. Beautiful. Oh, that is funny. Guys, uh, I think we're at the trailer moment. Yeah. <laughs> We've derailed a little bit. It's uh, well, time. Yeah. yeah. Woo. I'm going to eat this other cookie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll be back. Enjoy. Do you know what these people have in common? This is Amelie. With the discovery of a simple childhood treasure, she begins a quest to fix other people's lives. 
and perhaps her own as well. That was the trailer for Amelie. What'd you guys think of that trailer? It was very quick. Yeah, it was. Well, you know, it's a it's a U.S. trailer for a foreign film. What are you gonna do? They try to try to get you in there. They're like, look at these like fancy camera moves and these special effects and this really pretty girl. And we're out. <laughs> it did almost feel like they cut it like a like they used to cut like '90s horror films. Quick shot, close up, quick shot, reaction. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah, like kind of like the scream too. Yeah, I, I can see that with the sound effects. I lo- and they, it and was they, just <laughs> missing white flashes, <laughs> and right? They, and they didn't even tell you at all that it's subtitled. <laughs> people are gonna show up and be like, "What the fuck? What do all of these people have?" Oh, did you guys notice the Blu-ray didn't even have, or the DVD? Well, I don't know if the DVD did because I don't have the DVD anymore. But the Blu-ray didn't even have um, uh, an English dub on it. That option wasn't even available. It was just the French language track and. You know, yeah, the French and English subtitles, but that was it. I didn't even look when I watched my, my DVD. I oh, just, look I just, at you. Just, <laughs> I don't watch a dub. Yeah, I can't watch the dub, man. It bugs me. Oh, I grew up on Godzilla movies, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can watch a dub all day long, brother. I also watch really terrible like uh, martial arts movies sometimes. And, yeah, no. where, their mouths, where, their, where their mouths are still moving and they, <laughs> they stop talking. Yeah, like, and it's like, it's like women are actually doubling some of the guys. Yeah. And it's like... Mm, What's happening? About this? <laughs> yeah. why, does, why does this guy sound like he's a pre prepubescent boy? That's weird. I remember watching Bruce Lee movies as a kid, going, "Man, he sounds different in this one than he does in the others." <laughs> <laughs> what happened to his voice? And there's one. I think it's in Fist of Fury. He's, he's in this dojo, and this dude walks in, and the guy's got this really high voice. It's like, <laughs> wow, y'all really overdid that. <laughs> but you didn't have that problem with this movie, though. It's a pretty movie. It is a gorgeous film. I, I like I like how this film just like starts off right away. Right away, you get into it. You get a you get a couple of credits. Uh, what is it? Uh, yellow text on black, and then right away you're introduced to a butterfly, and you you get all these little stories all the way up to Amelie's birth. And man, I love those little moments in the movie where you just you get all this. Yeah, it's not needed information. Like it doesn't really flesh out the plot at all whatsoever or help it's tell information it. on the characters you, you, you're getting well, more not of their... even not even all the characters like sometimes like like the first shot like the butterfly like we don't need to know about this butterfly going along that gets hit by a car but you know it's like that's just an event that happened on the day amelie was born you know it, it well, just makes it feel more like an epic story and a fantasy and well it, it, it flutters along like, like her like book. like her fluttering heart <laughs> there, there's your tie-in oh look at you and who says critics read too much into cinema, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? Nobody. <laughs> I, but I, I do, I do love the um, <clears throat> the opening. Like um, uh, you, you have all that opening stuff, and then we have like a title sequence with with like young. Amelie. Oh yeah, once she gets born. Yeah, yeah, and then you know she's like doing all these like childhood things, like all these little games. Yeah, drawing yeah. stuff on her drawing, face, drawing and... stuff, and like you know playing with this like little ribbon thing she's blowing through and. I don't know. It, it kind of it sets up her 
she she plays with herself. You know, she yeah. she she's like she's like she's isolated. Not in that way, but in no, like she's yeah, she's not way. she's not diddling herself. But she's yeah, okay. like, it's not that kind of friendship. Okay, we we indeed, we way. Um, but yeah, no, um, it, it, it it like it sets the you know it it sets up the world a little bit. Of, you know, her her whimsy. Yeah, the locations and and these backstories are. The director pays just as much attention to them as he does everything else. You know, like every detail it feels like in this movie is important. I love how her mom dies. Fucking <laughs> like somebody jumping off of a church and then like <laughs> like landing on her. Oh, it's dude. so terrible. No, her, her, yeah, her, her parents are great, man. Like, yeah, I mean, well, obviously that's terrible. Yeah, It's crazy. Like she was holding her mom's hand, too. I, like, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like missed her by like an inch. Like holy shit, she's a little traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> like, but even with the like the the fish keeps jumping out of the boat, the suicidal fish. Like the mom like comes up to the frame and at that wide angle lens, and she's like right up on it. She's like, no. Oh, I, I love them trying to get it up from underneath like, the refrigerator. Oh. And they basically bust out like a broom, and then they get a vacuum cleaner and they're trying to suck the fish up. <laughs> and then they get like the uh, the jack and they're starting jacking, oh, yeah, up, jacking the, up the refrigerator. Oh, yeah, it's so ridiculous. It's it's so funny. I mean, like every moment. But yeah, no, I do, I do like all these backstories. I like the VO. I think it works, man. I, I really think it keeps the pace up. And um, well, this film in particular over Jean Jean Pierre Genot's other films, it, this really comes close to hitting that, that that like the novel to film transition, like morphing those two art forms together. And, and kind of like Quentin Tarantino does. Like I think Tarantino does that really well too, where like he takes things and. He'll show you what's going on inside a character's heads, like what their thoughts are. Like we'll stop, and we can actually see their thought. Like we'll get a thought bubble, you know. Like like in this film, right. like, you'll you'll see somebody's like actual heart flutter, or when she steals the key, it pops up in there. And and yeah. the, even at the beginning, uh, when they introduce the characters, that little thing pops up next to them, and it tells you know their their quirks. Yeah, it's it's their it's a bios. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just such a great like uh, you're getting so much information so quick. Right, the director's informing his audience so of so much stuff going on in the movie. It it, it really is. It's impressive, but it's also it works too because he he's creating this world where you need to know stuff about these people. They you know they don't need to just be random people that she's helping. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But she does also help random. Well, I guess. I was going to say she also helps random people, but even some of the people that are random, like the blind guy that she helps, you still see him in like four or five other scenes. You well, because yeah. she's this part of the world, but but, yeah. that, but that kind of happens when she when she like help she she finds this um, this little box of toys that was left by somebody, and she hunts it down and like finds it, and then she gets this like wow, this like urge to like pat to like pay it forward, you know. And she gets, jumps around and starts helping people. I which, love the line where it, where she made the decision to find the guy. And if she can't find him, if she finds him, then she'll do good for people for the rest of her life. I and mean, if she does, and if she doesn't, oh well. Well, my favorite part about that whole little part is like, okay, so she, the whole reason she even finds that box is because Princess Diana dies. Oh yeah, and, and everybody's freaking out about that. But yeah, as soon as she movie. finds that box, she's like, nah, all right. She just gives. <laughs> she's like, she can't give two fucks about Princess Diana. You know, and she moves now. Now I now I have a now I have a quest. You know, but she was like, meh. You know, there's a total moment where you see her. She goes, meh. And she moves on. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's important because, like, you know, that's that's what Princess Di was. Like, I mean, like, after royalty and everything, she was always – she was known for, like, helping people out, the charities and right. all of her humanitarian efforts that she was doing. I think that 
that's that is a catalyst that kind of like inspires her. Like even the uh, the guy that's a little slow at the grocery store, like he's obsessed with Lady Di, and he's like Lady D, Lady D, Lady D, <laughs> and, and Mr. Glass, who is like her neighbor that has he's got like super brittle bones. Right? His bones can shatter like glass. He paints the same Renoir painting for the last 20 years. <laughs> every year. That's right. Man, I, okay, I like that. I, I know it's it's a little heavy-handed, but he has uh, the glass man has one character that he can't paint. He can't get the face right. The lady with the glass. That's right, because he doesn't know about that character. He doesn't know what she's thinking. And he puts Amelie into her. That's right. And he starts, he starts you know, put, putting her into her so he, he can get there. So he, he, that way, he puts a, a personification of, of her into there. But I like how she is very aware of it, and she calls it out several times in the movie. And it's like, we're, it's a point of frustration, and it actually is a catalyst that gets her to act later in the. Well, not just later in the movie, like every time they have those conversations, well, like well, he kind of nudges her anyways, and he, right? even yes. all the way down to the end where he's like, "Will you fucking go get that dude already?" Yeah, like, like <laughs> well, I think it's for her too, a way for her to. She's so used to living inside of her own mind, she can externalize these thoughts and events that are happening through the girl with the glass. Yeah. Can, can you guys explain to me why she was sending him recorded TV on VHS? I asked the same question. So he could see life outside of his apartment. Okay, so he... Because he can't leave his apartment. Yeah. Because so, he gets things brought to him and, like... like and even, he uses his TV to watch the, 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 the time. Yeah. That's, like, literally... He can yeah. look right out the window. Well, you know, it's easier just to glance over instead of walk over to the window. That's right. You especially, don't have to wind your clock. Especially if you walk over the window, it can break your fucking leg. <laughs> he should become a supervillain. He what? should. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Well, yeah, like, all this Who stuff is, is very well padded and all that. I like that. Like, even his TV has got, like, a bunch of foam around it. A lot of good production design in this movie, man. I mean, the, the shots are good. The lighting is, is spectacular. But, like, just all of the sets and, like, even the locations that they dressed. Yeah. All of it's spectacular. There's lots of reds, greens, and yellows. Like, the whole movie's got that real kind of earth tone palette. Yeah. And they, like, throw blue in for important objects. But, like, I wasn't really sure why they did that. I mean, I get the green. Like, you know, you get the, the growth, vitality with the green. Red, you get the passion. You know, it starts. It, you know, you want the romance to come involved with the yeah. the movie later on. Um, later on, becomes a romance story. Why the blue? We don't like blue. Well, no, it's just I don't know. It, it was it was bizarre. They were already using red and green and yellow. <laughs> well, <laughs> it had to be something else. Yeah, I don't know. I what was, was blue? What do you mean? Uh, well, there was a, there was a lot of things that were blue. There were there was um, very important objects like the um, um, binoculars that she goes and, and she looks. Um, not she. Who's the guy she falls in love with? I forget what his name is. Matthew Cassavetes is, is the actor that plays Amelie's love interest, Audrey Tattoo's love interest saying, in the movie. Yeah. yeah, I forget what his, his character's name is in the film. He's having to follow some blue arrows. In oh, that's the park, right. He's following the arrows. Right? Yeah, the blue and arrows. Then he looks through the blue binoculars, and there's like just random scenes in the movie where like Amelie will be sitting in like pretty much a red room with a little bit of green or yellow. Yeah, and there'll be a, like a blue lamp. I don't know if they were doing it. I mean, it's great for contrast Somebody kind reasons. of break it up a little bit, have yeah. a little something complimentary. Yeah. But I'm, I was just wondering, why, like, why do they choose blue? Like, why are these? I couldn't figure that out. And I was listening to the, uh, there are three audio commentaries on the disc. I did not listen to all of them. <laughs> I only listened to the to one of them. Um, and he didn't, he didn't bring it up, like, why he chose certain colors. Hmm. There was a Brazilian artist that he admired that used, um... A lot of green and uh, yellow and reds in his paintings, but that was it. 
That's all he said. It may be just that simple, and we're reading way too much into it. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, the green and the in the, the production designers going, "No, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I put that there for a reason." Damn it! And the director's like, uh, "Yeah, uh, yeah, I knew that. That's why I hired you." Whatever he did. <laughs> Wonder how they came up with the quirk that he's collecting pictures that are discarded and just putting them in a... Well, they explained that he had other things. Like, he would... Um... No, like, as a writer. Oh, as a writer. How did they go, you know what he should be doing? I don't know, but I love it, though. It is. It's such a, like, a quirky little... It's super, super cool thing. Director and writer, they... Uh, well, the director was the co-writer. They, they picked up all these weird quirks from people that they knew in their life. Oh, that's right, and they wrote them down. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, like, they, they, they really? would think of these yeah. weird things that people would do, and they, they would collect <laughs> them, and it... Yeah. I, I, for, I forget what all... But, yeah, if you listen to the audio commentary, like, the director's like, oh, yeah, okay, so this person right here, and, like, most of these are actually based on huh. real events. You know, like like thing like sticking your hands down in the beans, or um, yeah, that was just, actually from like somebody that worked on the film, like the yeah. uh, the PA or the production so, assistant. Somebody really yeah. like, like that feeling, which you know I've I've done that before. Oh yeah, it oh, feels dude, good, yeah. right? If you stick your balls in there, it feels great. Well, that guy someone's did. eating my bean, my my balls, beans, beans balls. I do like how the mom and dad both where have to do clean you up shop? <laughs> where you shop? You really like what? How the mom and dad both have to clean out their purse. Oh, yeah. The, or they their bags. To, or yeah. They have to organize And they everything. put everything back. Yeah. It's like the one thing. It's the only time in the movie you ever see any of the flashbacks sharing any kind of similarity. And it's because they're married. I right. like that. It's maybe it's like, the, that, that's the one thing we have in common. We, we, we like to clean out cluttered shit, you know? Clean, uh, organize, put everything put it back. back. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of this? eventual love story that starts to progress i mean we don't we don't have a lot of romantic comedies on this show we talk about i just i get frustrated with romantic comedies because the formula is girl meets guy audience thinks they should date movie makes it to where they're not you get mad and go just go ahead and get together and then you get <laughs> frustrated because they're not just going ahead and getting together and then at the end they get together but somebody has to like you know see somebody out a window or chase somebody through an airport there has to be the I'll dramatic play this fucking random game where you have to go around just like he did in this movie she asked him to show up to this place at a certain time pissed. and then and then she then she can't even say yeah it's me and then she then she tries to then she puts another layer on the game where he, where he reaches pocket and finds meet me at this place i would have been like all right i'm done <laughs> i've already <laughs> i've already gone all over town and like showed up yeah. it's his soulmate jared he's not gonna give up he ain't gonna give up for the the love of his life he's not gonna I don't know. If she looked like that, I'd have done the same thing. Like, Damn, but he doesn't know what she looks like. <laughs> she looks like Zorro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a that, that's a great little fantasy moment. Uh, yeah, I, I I do get a little okay. I get fed up with a with her boyfriend, Matthew Kasovitz. He 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 comes back to the um the two windmills where where Amelie works, right? Right, right. A little bar, and he ends up leaving. With the waitress that likes to crack her knuckles. <laughs> and they have their moment where they're Georgette. finishing each other's sentences. Yeah. Well, that's in there to make you think, oh, no, he's going to hook up with her. Which is what well, she thought. No, but I totally We get. don't know that as audience. Uh, like, uh, we, no, no. Well, we know as audience that they're just, he's trying to find out information on Amelie. Right. But the other but, one told her that, that she was out with, you know. It, 
I get I it's too much man it's too much like I don't need another like they needed to hook up at that moment like I didn't need something else like when she comes in and she's like oh no he left with the waitress that likes to crack her knuckles but I, that's I just the can't. formula yeah and then she went and got sad and thought it was all over and she fucked up and she should have said you know damn that it is me and all it was that. one that big times, moment man it was one too and many I mean times. I, I admit I get frustrated because I'm an audience member I've bought into the movie and they want to make me frustrated <laughs> It's like, come on, I want, you know, you're watching Indiana Jones, I want him to get to the Ark. You're watching this, you want her to get the boyfriend. It's the part of the movie where I do start to feel bored, man. It's the only time of the movie, like... Did I tell you about this? so fast-paced, I think. The idea that I saw a guy online talking about this movie, and, of course, it's, you know, it's hindsight, but he, he said that he thought it would have been really interesting if, through the movie, she's helping people, right? Right. And... We find out at the end of the movie that he's been sort of following her, and all these little events that are happening to her is him manipulating to where he gets to meet ah, her. Yeah. You don't find out until the end. Right. Like, she's not manipulating him at all. She thinks he's, like, out of her league, and he he just threw it out there, and I was like, That's, that would have been interesting. Yeah. It would have been a break from the formula. Yeah, but it kind of it would destroy her character arc, though. I mean, she's she's got to be the one that initiates that because I mean the whole movie is about her trying to right. reach out and form you know relationships with other people. And doesn't he work in a porn shop? He, well, one of his jobs. Yeah, yeah that's so <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> They're just like pricing dildos, you dude. Know? You know, I, I and his I, other job is to lean over and whisper into women. Yes, yeah, that's the one. Oh, I, wasn't that really weird? That's the one I thought that was weird. <sighs> because like rubbing on her fucking face. He doesn't and know who she is. I didn't, they, they, how would you not know? They bumped into each other before. Like she's cute as shit, and she's oh, yeah, dude. I, I'm telling you, if I'd seen that girl before, guys, I'd be like, I don't know. You see this girl over here? He doesn't know, man. And I mean, she, he is doing like some straight up. And she even calls him out like, why are you, you know, whispering weird things to little girls in yeah. carnival rides or something? When she's on the phone with him later, yeah. it's like, yeah, why, why are you, you fucking weirdo? Shouldn't you be at work at your porno <sighs> job? Wow, she picked a good one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that is great when she calls the porn shop, though, asking for him when he loses his album. And he's, she, the guy's like, yeah, you shaved. Look, 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 full, full beaver ain't in right now. <laughs> or I forget what he said. He said Harry Beaver. Uh, oh, man. Harry, Harry Beaver or something. Damn it, I wish I knew what he said. But, yeah, yeah I mean, it was something great. It was a good line. Yeah, Harry Beaver doesn't sell or something oh, like yes, that. Oh, yes, that's yeah. what it was. Harry Beaver doesn't sell. Wee-wee. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I do love the whole thing where they're trying to figure out who this one guy is who goes and takes his picture at oh. all these different places and tears it up. Turns out it's the repair it's guy. The repa- but, which is great. What a great little turn on that. Like That yeah. was like, wow. I was like that. That was actually a cool little twist, like a little surprise. Yeah, I like how they shoot that too. With the, oh yeah, where he shows up and the, the red guy shoes. with the red shoes. Yeah. yeah, I was like, man, this is great. And it's just like this, like realization is like, oh shit. I thought that was one of the best CGI moments too, when she sees him and you get to see like all the photos and they like comp it together oh, and over like his goes face, right over his face. It's amazing. Yeah, dude, that is so good. And I love his reaction when uh, when the guy sees him and he just fucking smiles so big. At oh yeah, and he's so like freaked out, like looking at this dude. Like, what the fuck is going on? He's like, this is the second person that I've, like, opened the curtain and come out, and they're just, like, smiling at me. And they're following me around, you <laughs> fucking freak. You know, it's kind of oh my gosh, kind of funny good. watching the movie, and I mean, even the first time I watched it, I did the same thing. When you find out that he's the repair guy, 
And you're like, oh, of course. I realize I do the exact same thing. Like, if there's people that I see, but I don't know, but I see them often. Yeah. I create... A story. Stories (laughs) for them. Oh, that's the lady that works at the... (laughs) Yeah. I don't know where she works. That, that, that's just like, you know, that's just like what in Annie Hall, you know, when they're like watching people and they're adding stories to them. Oh, that's yeah, just kinda, that's right. That's just kind of yeah. how this is, what, this is what people do, you know. You got to like try to relate or just say, you know, this person does this. Or, or you know what? He's a ghost <laughs> that, uh, you know, <laughs> takes a picture of himself and disappears. Because that's obviously <laughs> the most. Well, that's what they said in the movie. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah, that, yeah. that has to be it. <laughs> just like those traveling gnomes, man gotta watch out for him they, that they, is hilarious they go to they go to moscow and then dude yes the I, dad's I, reactions well, are priceless those well, that's actually really cool because it's a catalyst to get him to travel because yes. he always wanted to travel and, and and the mom didn't want to or whatever and so anyway so she sends the the gnome the 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 roaming gnome <laughs> the travelocity roaming gnome out to uh you know go around and get a little uh you know culture and it kind of catalysts the dad to go off and fucking see the world. The looks on his face when he's he like, keeps getting the these postcards. He's on. like, ah, what is happening? And I love it. It just shows back up and it's out there in the game. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's shown up at his wife's shrine because yeah. he's like obsessed with building that shrine to his wife. No, he put he put it out there. That's where it was stolen from. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. But it, it's when it comes back. It's, it's, it's just like, like sitting there. <laughs> like, holy shit. Oh, it's man. Old. <laughs> I don't like, know about you guys, but if I had a gnome that vanished and sent me postcards and it showed back up, I'd kill it. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's what happened. That's why he was leaving. He actually took the gnome out and, like, smashed it in the backyard. <laughs> he's like, I can't he's be like, here. I can't be here anymore. He wasn't traveling. He's just getting the fuck away. <laughs> I've seen Child's Play. I would not. <laughs> that's right. He's like, oh, no, fuck that thing. Oh, that, 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 that's the smart hard movie trope to go with that's a very quirky movie yeah it is it is court you know what i would say that it's like um it's what i always want tim burton to be but never is where tim burton goes just a little too far for me this is the film where it hits that perfect balance between quirky whimsical and yeah really like honestly endearing like like genuinely endearing and charming i think this dp actually worked with uh Tim Burton. I think he shot Big Eyes. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I think he, sh- he shot something else before that with yeah, him too, as well. I think, I think he, did. he did Dark Shadows and. Oh yeah, he did Dark Shadows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Bruno um, Del Del Pontel. Yeah, Del Pontel, he's actually done a lot of movies um, that, that, that a lot of people have seen. And you can actually believe these are real people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The characters are very, <laughs> they're very believable. Oh yeah, man. And actually, uh, on a character side, I really like that they showed that uh, that Amelie is not uh, a virgin. Because they, they could totally play that up that she didn't really get out, you know? But I, I like that the fact that they show her getting getting railed and not really... She's, she's not like she's like not really into it. She's just kind of like... Man, dude, mm. she's laughing, bro. She's just like... Mm. She's laughing. She's almost... She's like one step away from like laughing out loud. Because it feels so good, man. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, this is, this is sex. This is what the people talk about, the sex. <laughs> <laughs> the sex is no good. But I will say the fuck scene in, in the bar... <laughs> With the uh, uh, with the with the with the cigarette counter girl and the, oh, and the crazy yes. ass dude who's like stalking the other George, the other uh, George, uh, George, George the cigarette girl uh, Gina or something Gina like that. yeah yeah Gina like 
he's like stalking her and anyways but they, they go into the bathroom and they just fucking rocking the whole building and like and like Amelie goes up there and tries to turn on the steam to like make it <laughs> cover up the sound that's not gonna do anything oh dude that was, that was so good you know they were gonna do that moment the minute you you, you saw those baristas over there but it's, it's yeah. so funny it's such it, a great works. moment yeah it that does. guy has a problem giving some space. <laughs> dude, he just can't. Yeah, dude. He's like, I, like, I like his backstory. The only thing he liked and got any enjoyment was popping the, the bubbles. Oh, I love. No, see, that's. And the that's, packing bubble. That's the cool shit that they, that they did at the beginning. At the beginning, they, they set up every person's neuroses. Every yeah. single person. They went through every, every main character, and they told them what their weird little quirk is. I saw a complaint that uh, some critics had with uh, you know that that the VO and the the backstory is just kind of dropping out. But you know, I was watching the movie and it was like, well, it set it up. It's done. Yeah, after you've done that for every character, you don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, we don't have to have an entire film of that. Yeah, I thought there's really a lot of stupid complaints for this film. Like, if anything, um, I, well, I, it's not serious enough. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, you exactly. got to come up with something to say, right? <laughs> Literally, like the only thing I, I really have a problem with is is that just that in moment where you know the guy comes in and and she thinks he he walked out with her, um, with with the waitress that wants to crack her knuckles. That's the only section of the movie that just doesn't really work. But again, you know, it's it's so nitpicky. It's like two minutes, not even that. The part that I don't feel like works is when he shows up at her apartment or her house. Oh, I love that when he's doing the kisses and he's like kissing. All no, 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 no. I love that. Too, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. I like that part. But when he knocks and she doesn't answer, it's like you were just oh. like pining over him, and now he's at your place, and you're just not going to open the door. Oh, well, I thought you were going to talk about the uh, the videotape with the glass man. Well, I mean, I, they want to play that, and that makes her want to go get him. And okay, then he's at All the right. door. But the first time, it's like you were just sad that he went off with the other waitress. Now he's at your door, and you're not going to open it. Yeah, I will. Okay, I, I kind of like that because you know that's that fits into character for who she is. You know, she would be like, "Oh my god." You know, just immediately reject it because they even do that little thing in the beginning where they they very carefully set up, and it's funny. But it also sets up for, like, how lonely she is, where she craves her father's attention so much, and she just wants hugs and kisses from her daddy, <laughs> that her dad, who's a doctor, thinks that she has a heart defect, because every time he puts the stethoscope up to her heart, her heart flutters because of the excitement. And it's like, and God. it ruins their entire life, basically. He's like, he, he, <laughs> he blames her. He's like, you know, we could never leave and go travel because of your heart. <laughs> She's like, God damn, really? <laughs> like, fuck. You're the nutcase that doesn't know hearts well enough to know the difference. You're the motherfucker that doesn't hug your child. Yeah, man, damn, just like any little shit. contact. I'm so excited because you're near me. Like, wow. Uh yeah, okay. Yeah, some of the characters do have some some weird tendencies. Like that, I said some weird neuroses. They're yeah, like, that may be a little bit almost like uh, the main character. Is he being endearingly pursued or is he being stalked? I don't know. Amelie could be stalking him. And what's up with the weird, like, all right, kiss me on the side of my mouth. Kiss me on my neck, my collarbone. It's sexy. Right on my fucking eyebrow. Yo, bro. Uh, if you remember correctly, if you go back and uh, listen to our Raiders Lost Ark episode, uh, that's just an Indiana Jones. Uh, I know it, it was. It's like you know, here, 
Yeah. Here. And they like, straight. and then he should have pointed it down to his dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did, but they cut first. <laughs> That's the director's cut, Jerry. <laughs> Or the producer's cut. It's implied. One. I was waiting for that French kiss. It was definitely the producer's <laughs> cut because Harvey Weinstein produced it. Oh, super burn. That motherfucker's going to jail. <laughs> the only nice thing I have to say about Harvey Weinstein is he did not butcher this film when it came out to the United States. This is one of the very few foreign films that he did not cut, unlike Cinema Paradiso, which he... Like butchered like twenty minutes, I think almost. Or, wow, yeah, if not more, out of that film. Cut the end off the descent. Oh yeah, God, why would you do that? I think the whole movie doesn't make sense if you take out the book. It's called a bookend, motherfucker. If you take <laughs> out the ending bookend, it's what is it? it take it's out the first book. one. <laughs> yeah, right. Take out the first one. If you're gonna take out the last one, damn. Yeah, I'm glad he's in jail. <laughs> Stop messing up porn no, films. Fuck him. <laughs> Fucking rapist. Uh, eh, you can you still know. be a douchebag and do some decent things every yeah. now and then. He, yeah. he did that one thing that was yeah. okay. But fuck him otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Feel no sympathy for that guy. Um, anyway, we can say that openly now and still possibly work in this industry. <laughs> oh, man. I, say, yeah. I would say that before. I, I know. I, I never liked what he did to film. I, I always thought that was completely unforgivable. I mean, that... It it takes a lot of uh, of arrogance to assume that you know everything from another culture that you can just go in and cut another country's work of art right. like you know better. Like that is incredibly arrogant. I just um, yeah, I don't abide with that. I think we're uh, we're getting we're are we at the end here. I think it's time to pump the brakes and rate this bitch. All right, I want to do something a little different here on the ratings, guys. Okay. Uh, Normally, we always go around the room. We rate it. Scale 1 to 10. I want you guys to tell me why I shouldn't rate this movie a fucking 10. Because that one part bothers you? That should take a part off. Yeah, but everything else, though. Brian, I I think you should rate it a 10. Oh, damn. Oh, Jared, you're coming back at me with all that (laughs) sweet sexiness. I don't know what to do with that. Because I'm going to rate this one a 10. I'm going to go with 9, 9.5. You go with a 9. Okay, so, like, what... What, what's your half point off, Benson? Come on, let's... The part where he goes off with the waitress and... <laughs> you know that romantic comedy shit Stans. they did? <laughs> I think they could have been a little bit smarter at that part, but... Yeah, but I love everything else they did, and if... <sighs> okay, here's the thing. Like, I'm not a smart enough motherfucker to come up with any other way... Me ...for either. everything else to happen that I really, really love, that I think is really, really smart and really, really fun and charming and whimsical and ingenious and all this other stuff, but... How do you have all that other stuff and get rid of that moment? Like that's the thing. Like I don't. Well, give it a ten. What are you arguing with me for? You can. <sighs> you get to rate it. Yeah, this is a ten. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a ten. This is a good movie. It's a great film. This is a film. <laughs> it is. Down. You know what? It's a. It, it's a film and a movie at the same time. You can just sit down and be thoroughly entertained and have a good time. I agree. Unless you want to feel sad. Then watch a different movie. That's true. Watch Requiem for a Dream. Oh, God. Ass to ass. <laughs> We're going to bring it up every podcast until we review it. Man, I'm going to have to drink a lot to watch that one again. No kidding. Ooh. 
All right, so you guys have been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. If you guys want to get in touch with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew, and crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E. That's right, extra E at the end of the word crew at gmail.com. You guys can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at moviecrewpod. Benson, where can our audience follow you, sir? Twitter and Instagram at J. Edward Benson. That's J-A-Y, Edward Benson. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> fucking Jared, right. every fucking time. <laughs> I swear to God, you're, you're, no, I, I'm, I'm wrong. It's just, just no. It's J A Y. It's not Edward Benson. I swear to God, this is how like multiple like fucking split dimensions and fucking alternate realities happen, Jared. You start seeing shit, and then things become true, and we're gonna have different branches of reality. Oh man, I'm sorry. Oh, it's just J Edward Benson. Yeah, J A Y. Edward Benson. <laughs> And while we're falling through the wormhole to the uh, different dimension, Jared, where can people follow you? Know, you know, when Jeremy starts making those really, like, sex novels, he's, that's going to be his fucking, like, it's going to be his, like, other name is J. Edward Benson, but it's going to be J.A.Y. <laughs> I do use that on, anytime I write a book, it's J. Edward Benson. <laughs> I'm talking about you'd spell it J.A.Y. instead of, you know, J. Or just J. Benson. Yeah. J. Benson. All right. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at It is my the- nickname, yeah, it is Jay. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram at Check the Gate on the um, yeah. I, I had a brain fart on on the Twitter at Jared B. Callen. Leave us a five star review on Apple iTunes, and eventually we will send you a T shirt. I promise. Because we got to got to get that going. Because we got like ten to send out right now. You're the one promising T shirt. Uh, yeah, I'll pay I, for it. I don't care. I, I'm just saying. I, I just want us all to like agree on a logo. You guys got to design a logo, man. I'm okay, not, I'm I'll get on that. Designer, you know, I, 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 I do motion graphics, not still graphics. Wait, you can, like, design it like you're going to motion it, and just don't motion it. No, no, look, dude, motion. Like, <laughs> when once you add motion, it just inherently changes graphic design. I know, two D graphic designers can't handle it either. <laughs> <laughs> He's running the biggest line of bullshit over there ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're closing out the show tonight with some of the great uh, soundtrack from Mr. Jan Tiersen. We're going to be playing track number one, I've Never Been There, and we're going to be playing track number three, Le Vas de Amalie, which is, um, well, I guess the English translation for that is The Waltz of Amalie. Enjoy.
I did want to bring up real quick before we left the show, there were 15 orgasms at the end of the movie. So there wasn't a joke of like a lady not having an orgasm or something. Just to clarify, in case anybody was wondering in the podcast, <laughs> we did look it up. There's 15. And we will try to put out another episode because this one was late. So Friday we'll be putting out Man Bites Dog. See you then.